All right, welcome everybody to our third annual live, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, our third annual fireside chat. It's really a, a wonderful opportunity to kind of take a few minutes, uh, relax. Hopefully, you're, if you're in Florida, you're not sitting by the fireplace, but you know, hopefully you're having a chance to kind of relax, grab a little drink of adult beverage or whatever makes you happy and uh, kind of kick back and let's take a few moments and listen uh, to our wonderful panelists that are going to share with us kind of their thoughts of what, uh, what does ACB membership mean to them and how does it kind of look as we move into the future? So I want to share a few thoughts first before we turn to our panelists. And that is that, you know, ACB is not really any different than society as a whole. And we've seen that membership organizations across the nation have struggled to hold their membership over the last decade or two. So if any of you have had an opportunity to be involved in Lions Clubs or Rotary Clubs, uh, you know, uh, League of Women Voters, uh, so many different churches, so many different civic-minded uh, service organizations uh, have a continual struggle to keep their membership levels up. The same thing has happened in the American Council of the Blind. Um, if I look back to my early membership days when I was membership secretary of the Florida Council of the Blind back in 1994, I'll never forget this because we had to do it all by hand back then. There, were, <laughs> there, there wasn't any email back in those days, right? And at least I didn't have any. And so, uh, you know, I remember the first time we did, I did pulled the membership together for Florida Council, we had 1,503 members. Now that's been 27, 28 years ago now. Uh, but Florida is now down to 500 and something members. And I don't think Florida is an affiliate is much different than many others. Uh, when I first started going to national conventions, uh, we had a number of affiliates, six, seven, eight affiliates that were maxed out at a delicate count of uh, 25, because according to our constitution, you couldn't have more than 25 delegate votes even if you had more than 625 members. So we had that many affiliates, both state and special interest that had over 625 members. This year, when we did our roll call at our national convention in Omaha, we did not have any affiliates that had 25 votes. I think Florida was the last one uh, who kind of went below that 25 vote threshold. So our membership, is, is at an inflection point. And it's not something that's happened over the past year or two, but it's been happening for the better part of 15 or 20 years. So that's the facts. But then the other fact that's really hit us in the face is three years ago in 2020, we had a pandemic. And I think what the COVID uh, virus did to us is it accelerated so many trends that were already happening inside of our country, nation, world. And ACB was also impacted by that. 
what's been very interesting over the last three years is we've seen our state affiliate uh, membership fall across the country by about 20%. So pretty significant decline. But at the same time, our special interest affiliates, those organizations that don't meet geographically, but meet virtually, uh, you know, our guide dog users, our ACB Lions, our Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, on and on, our 20 special interest affiliates, we've seen a 15% increase in membership for our special interest affiliates. So these are just data points. I don't know what the answer is, but these are trends that we're seeing. And I think they're trends that are consistent, again, across the country. So tonight, I want to have an opportunity for us to hear from uh, various members of our organization, some very involved in leadership positions, some just very active members, some that are new to our organization, and even the perspective from two individuals who aren't, have not been directly involved with ACB until the last year or two. So wanted to hear these different perspectives and hopefully we can learn and have a good discussion about what does membership look like in the future. So first I want to introduce Pam Shaw from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Pam uh, was a very active leader inside of ACB. Oh gosh, Pam, 15, 20 years ago, where you were even, I believe, a vice president of the American Council of Blind. Uh, Pam then stepped away for a little while, but has come back and become very engaged in the last three years, again, with inside of ACB. So Pam, welcome, and I'd love you to take uh, just a couple of minutes and tell us about your story within ACB. Thanks, Dan, and hello to everybody. It's great to be here, and uh, I think I just have one of those human kind of stories. I came to ACB in 1980, and I came because I had just finished graduate school, and off I went thinking I was going to conquer the world until an employer told me, we're not going to hire you. You have excellent qualifications except one. And I said, which one? And he said, the fact is that you were blind. And not knowing what to do, a friend said, well, I know about this organization called American Council of the Blind. Why don't you give them a call? And I called, and much to my joy, that was the first time I met Oral Miller. He didn't ask me, was I a member? He didn't try to get me to join. He just helped me to get a job, and that led me to ACB membership. Um, it was wonderful. I met some great people. I think the reason I left and came back was because once ACB gets in your blood, you can't help it. But the reason I left is because my mom was diagnosed with dementia. And I felt that I could not adequately care for her and carry out my responsibilities in ACB. And it's just been a wonderful time. But even when I was, quote, unquote, away, I was still paying attention to the organization, paying dues, reading the Braille Forum, all that kind of fun. And I am just so glad that um, life has just brought me back to ACB, and I could not be more pleased. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. And next, we're going to hear from Desi Noller, and she was sharing a little story before we came on the air, but Desi's been involved in and out of ACB for a long time, 
but really got re-engaged over the last two or three years. So Desi, uh, welcome from Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you so much, Dan. I'm honored to be here. Um, my my story um, probably with ACB begins in about 1979. Um, I had just gotten my first guide dog the year before that. And in my class, met a gentleman who actually got my sister dog at that time. Uh, my sister's, my dog's sister. There we go. Um, I got you. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I said it, it was not coming out right. Um, and and I got much better acquainted with, with him and with his wife. And his wife was very um, active in a way in, in the American Council of the Blind of California at that time. And um, so she got me interested. Um, we all were living up in the Humboldt County, Humboldt County area of California, um, which is way up on the North Coast. And um, we decided to start a, a charter chapter up there for our state. And um, I had all I um, I was the first president of that charter chapter. And then I became a state uh, representative to the um, American Alliance of Blind Students back then um, and came to the St. Louis Convention in 1981 and had various activities with ACB throughout all that time. But, you know, I, I was involved at various levels in states where I lived, but uh, then in 1991, I moved to Phoenix and um, met a few people here in the council, but really didn't get tremendously involved. I went to state conventions and that kind of thing. Um, but then again, fast forwarding to uh, 2020, when the ACB community calls started, I was on the membership list, I guess, so I got the emails right away that listed all of the community calls but back in the beginning there were very few there were just um, coffee socials that were starting because of the lockdown and at first I thought oh you know that's nice um, I don't really need those I've got way way more many things on my plate I had a husband who was suffering dementia he was in an assisted living care home um, I had been going to visit him three to four times a week, and um, my life was just very caught up with all that. And I thought, oh, you know, community calls, that sounds nice, but I don't, I don't think that's for me. But then I went to the virtual convention in uh, 2020, and I was so amazed and impressed with how well that all happened and I went to a few of the evening socials and people were talking about other community calls that had started up and I started really looking closely at that email and I decided that I would attend a coffee social and I did and that led to more things and more things and then I wanted to become a host for community events which I did and then um, someone left the Friday morning coffee social and I contacted Cindy Hollis and said you know I think I'd like to do that 
it turned into something called Desi's Friday Morning Diner, which still exists. <laughs> and we uh, we have a great time. We have a virtual 24-hour-a-day diner. That means that you can come in and get any meal that you could possibly imagine at any time of the day. So that if, if you happen to live in a place where it's already lunchtime, you can have lunch and nobody thinks a thing about it. The food is all calorie free and you know with no health consequences because it's virtual and um we talk about a just a plethora of different subjects and have a really fun time there but the community has come to mean so so much more to me than that um during my husband's illness everyone was a tremendous support when i lost my husband on July 31st of 2022. All a number of people in the ACB community that knew me from the diner and knew me from calls that I attended and stuff got together and raised an amazing sum of $1,125, which they sent to me um, through Cindy. And um, I was so blown away at the incredible love that was shown to me through the community and so I just can't see myself ever leaving the ACB community part of things now that I have become uh, involved there so deeply and recently I just became a life member of the Braille Revival League as well as BITS so um so at the other end of my life, as I'm older, I just um, celebrated my 69th birthday last month. And as I am hitting this stretch of my life, I'm finding other ways to be involved with ACB that I really believe can make a difference. And um, I'm, I'm all in. It's all about the relationships, isn't it, Desi? It really is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what brought Leslie and I to ACB is that that really need and desire to kind of find somebody that's going through the same thing you're going through. And right. I'll never forget my first chapter meeting. And I'm like, oh gosh, I'm going, I'm going into this room with all these blind people. They're all going to be like depressed and sad. And <laughs> I went in and there was a riot going on. I swear to God, they were laughing and joking and drinking coffee and having snacks and telling stories and cutting up. And, and I said, oh my God, this is a place we want to be. I mean, it <laughs> was just exciting. Well, thank you, Desi. You're so uh, welcome. Next, I want, uh, Carla Rushable. My gosh, what can we say about Carla Rushable? Carla Rushable took me under her wing when I joined the ACB Board of Directors in 2012. Uh, she's been a colleague ever since. Uh, if if Derwood K. McDaniel is the father of the American Council of Blind, Carla Rushable is the, is the mother of the American Council of Blind. She has been involved She'll tell me probably in her in almost her entire life. <laughs> I think she grew up with the American Council of Blind. But Carla, you've seen so much and been through so much. What uh, what have you seen here over the last, um, you know, well, the transition? You know, you are just such a perfect person to kind of talk about the transition. Carla has been the ACB convention coordinator for a number of years. She's been president of multiple affiliates. She's been a treasurer of the American Council of Blind, board member of the American Council of the Blind. 
I think now she's the membership secretary or, or treasurer for at least four special interest affiliates. So Carla, tell us a little bit about the, the, your relationship with ACB. Gracious. <laughs> I recognize that person. <laughs> well, it's all true. <laughs> well, um, well, I attended my first convention uh, in ACB when I was 16. Um, actually, I was 17. I had just gotten out of high school. My parents were involved in ACB and the convention was here in Louisville. And what is now the Kentucky Council of Blind, then called the Associated Blind of Kentucky, was getting its charter that year as the fifth affiliate of ACB. Mm. Well, after that convention, I mean, and that was wonderful. I enjoyed it. I met Durward there. Um, lots of people that were really involved in building ACB. And, you know, most teenagers probably wouldn't have enjoyed that, but I just loved the business meeting and all the resolutions and boy, they were serious then too. Um, well, <clears throat> after that convention, um, the, the uh, affiliate sort of fell apart. We uh, existed for a couple of other years and then the, we elected a president who never called a meeting. And so for six years, we were inactive. Durward showed up one day as Durward could do. He would just show up at an affiliate meeting or at some place where blind people were um, getting together. And so one day he walked in to uh, our bowling league and we had a big bowling league at the time. This was in 1973. And he comes in and he says to my dad, he says, um, well, uh, how about going to dinner? And my dad says, if you're here, to talk about getting an ACB affiliate going, uh, we might as well not go because we're not going to do it. And he says, oh, no, I just want to go have a good dinner. You know, since I'm here, we might as well. And we said, well, yes, I guess that's true. The next thing we knew, January 1974, we were having a reorganizational meeting and we had 100 members. I mean, <laughs> Derber just kind of would inspire people to do that. Well, we went, I've been going to conventions this year, I think will be my 40th or maybe 41st. I don't know. I've missed a few, but ACB has been real different throughout those years. Um, there are certain parts or certain discussions in the board meetings on this topic that I remember. Um, some were uh, when people you know, sometimes we say, well, everybody's losing members. And yes, they are. My Lions Club, of which I'm the president now, um, I, I've been in that club for 25 years. Um, my husband, Adam, goes back 40 years in that club. And when I first started going to that club, we had 55, 60 people coming every week to a meeting. Mm -hmm. We had about 100 members. Today, we're lucky to have 10 come to a meeting and uh, we have, I don't know, 25 members maybe. Now our club does a lot of stuff. We, we do many things and we support lots of things, but the membership is just, I mean, people just don't want to join or they don't want to 
join under the circumstances that we ask them to join. Um, our club's pretty expensive to belong to. But, um, you know, we would talk about that in board meetings. Uh, but I, sometimes we can use that for an excuse. Well, everybody's losing members. Well, they may be, but that doesn't mean that we can't get out there and work for members. And I, and I think that's one thing that is so important, especially in the special interest groups. Um, I'm listed in this program tonight as president of ACB Families. ACB Families, uh, when it organized, we had a lot of members. It was called uh, American Council of Blind Parents. Then it went to Council of Families with Visual Impairment. And then after a number of years, about 10 years ago, it became ACB Families. Well, we were down to about 15 members. And Adam and I believed that we really needed to keep that charter. Now, it really, I'll tell you, Dan, it really hurts my heart when people say, well, I couldn't, I could only get 13, I could only get 11 members. So we didn't have enough to keep the charter going. Hmm. That happened in AC families, but we got on the phone and called people up and said, will you agree? Will you be a member? We'll pay your dues if you'll be a member. And we, we would send the money in that $5 per person was nothing compared to the importance of keeping that charter. So Ron Brooks came along and he, he and Lisa got involved. And of course, and Jeff and Leslie were, were there and Adam and I were still involved and others. I you know, shouldn't start naming people because I leave people out. But I think the thing that really kicked families sort of in the seat of the pants was we decided that we would have a membership drive in the fall. And even though we were, we weren't very well off, we didn't have a lot of money and our dues were just $8 a person. Uh, we decided that we would have a membership drive. And at Christmas time, we would have a drawing of all the people who had joined by that time from July until the drawing in December. And we would give away some gift cards and it worked. I mean, that first year, we went from having about 15 members to having, I don't know, it was like 38 or 40 members. But that was huge for us. And um, I, I just, we, we still have a few more members to contact here, but we are going to turn in about 92 members this year. And it's been growing some every year. Now, that's not just because of that membership drive. And you get over into say library users, I help with their membership list there too. And ACB Lions help with that. Um, and also with the Kentucky Council of Blind, although those organizations are a little different because they have life members. But with, with Lua and Lions, this last week I've been emphasizing them and you call them up and you say, hi, I said, hi, I'm Carla Rushville, and I'm calling to check with you, see if you want to be part of library users again this year. And they'll say, oh, 
Oh, I've been meaning to call you. Oh, I'm so glad you called. Um, yes, I want to join. I just sort of forgot to do it. Mm-hmm. And and we are, I will say, we on all of those, in those three special interest groups, our, um, if you go back and look two or three years ago, our membership is up. And I, I, and I think that contacting people and using this as an opportunity to let them know that you are interested in them, that you care. Yes, that only happens once a year or twice a year or whatever, but it's better than nothing. It's better than not at all. And so many people say, oh, I really appreciate you calling. That takes a little time, but not as much time as you would think. And boy, does it make you feel good when you get those dues. So um, I think ACB is it's so many things to so many people. It helps us stay in touch with many people. Um, it helps people who have like interests participate together. And, you know, the nice thing is, is that in ACB, you have choice. I may not be interested in one affiliate, but I may be really interested in another. I think I belong to seven special interest affiliates right now, just because I find them interesting. I don't have to be overly active in all of them. I couldn't be, but I pay dues to express my interest and to, and to let them know I support what they do. So I could go on and on forever, Dan, but you've heard enough from me. (laughs) Well, thank you, Carla. And it's interesting that Desi said earlier, she just joined as a life member in both the Braille Revival League and BITS. So there you go. It's all about those relationships. It truly is. Yeah. Well, thank you, Carla. Uh, Next, I want to hear from Gabriel Lopez-Cafati. Gabriel uh, has uh, is currently on our ACB board of directors. He's the uh, chair of our multicultural affairs Hispanic subcommittee. And by the way, tonight's uh, fireside chat is being broadcast in both English and Spanish with some of our own uh, professional ACB members doing the translation. So shout out there. I think Lucy's doing this one. So thank you, Lucy. Uh, it must be funny when you're saying thank you to yourself as you're translating. <laughs> I don't <laughs> But Gabriel is also the uh, immediate past president of Blind Pride International for LGBTQ uh, community and allies. So Gabriel, welcome and tell us a little bit about your engagement in uh, ACB. I know it's, uh, uh, it's been, it's been a, an interesting ride. It has been, Dan. Thank you for having me here um it's uh, like you said it's been an interesting ride and and it has had a lot of uh curves and turns and uphill and uh <laughs> but the important thing is to always keep keep riding keep keep going um i find oh, I that you. what i found in acb uh was so much connection so much community and I found a home. I am uh, originally from Honduras, a naturalized citizen, very proud naturalized citizen actually, and uh, been living here for the past 18 years in Miami. And um, as soon as I started acknowledging and uh, just accepting the fact 
that I had a condition that was going to lead to total blindness, that's when I said, okay, this is where I need to do something about it. Uh, I, 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 at the, at the beginning of <laughs> the half of my life, uh, in the early stages of, of my uh, retinitis pigmentosa diagnosis, I was focused on looking for a cure. There must be something out there. But then when I realized, okay, I, I need to move on with what I have today and what is meant to be will be so i need to make sure that i find the resources the connections and the people with whom i can share common interests common uh battles and uh people who have already been through what i have been because i cannot be the only one in this world <laughs> so i found acb and uh, like you said i found blind lgbt pride international which i never knew could such a thing could have existed uh, an organization that represented the big two aspects of my life being visually impaired and being part of the lgbtq plus community but of course acb had it <laughs> um when i came to florida i i couldn't uh, continue practicing law uh, so i went back to school and i got acquainted with the florida council of the blind uh with uh so many awesome people my my first uh meeting attending the florida council of the blind was kind of different than yours dan because you were thinking that you were going to find boring people i was thinking oh my god i'm the only hispanic here i'm going to find all these white people who are going to be totally unwelcoming and whenever they hear that i have an accent they're going to say who's this intruder <laughs> but all the contrary people uh, just received me with open hearts and open arms and uh, I was honored to be a scholarship recipient uh, here with the Florida Council of the Blind. And at the same time, my engagement with BPI grew to the point where I became treasurer, vice president, and then eventually president, and now immediate past president. But what I feel that I, uh, that I have to share is, or highlight actually, is two things, is I feel that ACB has grown with me and I have grown with ACB in a very symbiotic way. Um, the synergy is amazing because I find it that wherever there is something of interest, uh, th there's an open space for me and my thoughts, my perspective and my experiences are welcome and valued. So there's always a place for me on the table, uh, whether it be as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, whether it be as a Hispanic person, whether it be as a student, uh, professional. So there's always something. And the other aspect that I find fascinating in my relationship with ACB is the flexibility. That's why it's my favorite core value, because you know now here we are in 2023, uh, finally, giving uh, content for Spanish speakers. And, uh, and, and, and I'm so happy that my expertise, and not even just my expertise, just having been born in a country where we speak Spanish puts me in a position where I can help lead this project and I can collaborate with so many wonderful individuals who are eager to bring what ACB means to us, to others. And, uh, like I said, it's it's amazing how ACB continues to be part of my everyday life. You know, I have um, my professional life, uh, everything that I learn 
through ACB and now through community uh, impacts my professional life. Uh, there's space for me to grow not only as uh, a, a, you know, business manager, but also as a life coach, uh, as a wine connoisseur, so you name it, there's always a, a place for me in ACB, um, to the point that it was in, uh, at a, like Janet said earlier, at a ACB convention where I uh, met my partner, Anthony, and, and formed a family. And uh, to the point, to the day, we both continue sharing this passion and this love for the organization that has given us so much. And uh, long story short, uh, I like to go full circle and just say, in every sense, professionally, personally, spiritually, uh, romantically, hobbies, you name it, guide dogs, uh, ACB gave me the courage to go for my first guide dog, the best decision that I've ever made. So in every aspect of my life, ACB has been there since I got connected. And it's it's almost impossible, I would say, to either let go or to have FCB let ACB let go of me. So it, it is my home, and and I feel that I'm here to stay. We're a family, aren't we, Gabe? Yeah, we are. We truly Absolutely. are. Absolutely. So, real quick, and I know we got to move on. How how has BPI uh, LGBTQ community done through? Uh, through the pandemic or how over the last five years or so, how have you all seen your membership? You know, uh, that's, that's something that uh, we have discussed. I think the pandemic was not kind to um, state affiliates because of the geographic mm -hmm. component and, yeah. you know, the, 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 uh, just having to meet within the same geographic area. Uh, but on the contrary, it has been a blessing for, uh, and I do not like to call the pandemic a blessing by all means, but but the effects of the pandemic have been uh, positive for special interest affiliates because that gave the opportunity to those organizations that do not have, that did, did not have that geographic component. They gave, uh, the, the effects of the pandemic gave the opportunity for us to grow because the virtual environment was thriving and the virtual environment has been outside of convention has been the main vehicle of communication and connection for special interest affiliates so we've we've grown and uh, we've uh, actually been able to get our name out there and bpi uh, was actually uh, placed at uh, in, in front of many people um, a lot of our members being allies who never knew of our organization if it wouldn't have been for community and for the virtual environment that we had to transition into after the, or during and after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of what we talked about earlier, who moved my cheese. Uh, I remember yes. Craig Metter uh, from American Printing House for the Blind, a APH, we were talking one time and he said, you know, Dan, you can never let a good crisis go to waste. And <laughs> I thought, wow, but, but it does, it, you know, at times when when you have a significant change like uh, the pandemic, people are paying attention. This is when when things are going along well. It's hard to implement change in a disability, um, you know, civil rights movement type of way. But when things are when there's a little unrest, sometimes that's our best opportunity. It's kind of interesting if you think of it. 
a little differently, you know, maybe there's a chance for us to kind of move our cheese when that kind of a situation occurs. And, and I'm really impressed with what the special interest affiliates have done to kind of to, to fill that void. It's been really good. So Cecily, here you are, uh, president of the Georgia Council of the Blind and uh, also uh, getting involved more and more at the national level, ran for the ACB Board of Directors this year getting involved in more and more committees. You're the youngest member of our panel tonight. So share with <laughs> us, what is it like uh, for you here these last three or four years being involved with the American Council of Life? Sure, so for me, it's all about the state affiliate in the beginning of my journey and all about the local chapter, finding mm -hmm. that in 2012 when my vision loss was new. And many of you have heard that story of, of how just inspired I was by seeing people living their lives as blind people. It gave me hope that, that I would be okay in my journey. Then through, through the state level, going to my first state convention and, and on and on. And then in 2019, I attended my first national convention. And wow, I fell in love with ACB and actually filled out an application for a guide dog right there at the convention in the exhibit hall. Took a <laughs> couple of Juno walks yeah. that week. Uh, and by November, I had a guide dog and I was just so excited about my future with ACB and, and my future as a blind person. Then, I went to the February 2020 Legislative Seminar. Our president at the time, Alice Richhart, brought me to show me the ropes. And she said, Cecily, you're going to be our next president. Well, it took a couple of years, but she was right. In 2021, <laughs> I was elected. Good <laughs> succession planning on Alice's part. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that worked out. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to be going back to legislative in person, but I will say, one of the benefits of, of the way things changed during the last couple of years for the Georgia Council, although we have lost a few members, we are going strong for the most part. I would say some of the individual chapters are suffering, mm. um, but we're starting to rebuild and restructure and regroup and just find our rhythm again. I know for my local chapter, that rhythm is involving a hybrid meetings at every meeting our monthly meeting has a zoom component and and our chapter members love that the ones that still can't get out or can't get transportation they can still join us and we're trying to connect more people to that virtual environment in the areas where we don't have a chapter in hopes that we can start a chapter there someday so we're still very much grounded in our local chapters and and our state affiliates and as far as National committees, I think that's very important too. I, I certainly can't come close to Carla's number of seven, but I think I'm a part of four special interest affiliates. <laughs> and uh, like, like in, in committees, I've, I've enjoyed the committee work. My, my auction family there, I, some of you have probably gotten calls from me asking about donations. So. <laughs> and I would say, you know, it's just been a beautiful journey. I love ACB. Um, I love GCB too. And sometimes I'm torn in a way. I want to see all of us succeed together. I don't mm -hmm. want there to be any friction ever, 
between us, but sometimes that's a part of growth too. The, you know, him and Ha didn't always get along. And <laughs> that's <laughs> I true. Love that, book. that was yeah. a wonderful book. That's a great, <laughs> it's a great read who moved my cheese, but uh, thank you for having me on here. And I look forward to what the future is going to look like both within ACB and within my affiliate. Now, Cecily, when I attended the Georgia uh, Council of the Blind Convention in Savannah a few years ago, at that point in time, I believe Alice was getting elected president, and she was a she was the representative of the statewide chapter. So she wasn't tied to a specific geographic, you know, location or city. She was the um, board member or chapter president of a statewide kind of, um, I call it, you know, kind of a, a, at that point in time, it would have been a, a precursor to kind of a virtual chapter that, that was large. at large across the state. So does mm -hmm. that still exist? And how has that worked uh, for, for Georgia? It does. And it is my dream to grow it kind of along the lines of the virtual chapter that the Florida Council of the Blind is getting off the ground or has gotten off the ground. I, I don't know all the details about that, but we have a handful of members and the way our constitution is structured is there's always a vote by as a representative of the at-large members. They always mm -hmm. have. And I suppose if there were more than 40, they would have a second vote. We're nowhere near that. But I would love it because there are areas that are not represented by a local chapter. We have eight physical chapters, but they can't represent the whole state and not everyone can attend them. So that is something we still have. Betsy Grinovich is the at-large representative right now and we would love to build it up. Very good. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here tonight. Uh, next, I'd like to hear from uh, Dr. Tabitha Kinlon. Uh, Tabitha has an interesting journey uh, from kind of getting somewhat introduced to ACB a few years ago to now becoming an ACB uh, employee as the audio description project coordinator. So welcome, Tabitha. Thank you very much for inviting me. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll try not to be redundant since I um, introduced myself earlier today. Um, but yes, I, I came to ACB um, on the advice of my mother. Um, it's so annoying when moms are right. <laughs> Those moms are good people. Mine's 91 and she's still giving me advice. <laughs> they, yeah, they can be really good. Um, my, as I grew up with, uh, with my mom's vision loss um, before my, you know, my own kicked in. Um, she has retina pigmentosa and, um, you know, I, I inherited her eyes, both the, the lovely blue shade and the, uh, defective retinas. <laughs> um, but uh, so it was, you know, interesting to, to grow up with her. Um, you know, she I was 12 when she got her first guide dog. Um, she's on her fourth now. And um, so I was uh, staying with with her and my dad in the autumn of uh, summer and, and fall of 2020 when I was uh, between jobs, let's say. <laughs> Um, after leaving my uh, a university teaching job in Dubai. Um, and uh, she, I, I, I'd known about ACB sort of tangential, you know, she'd sort of mentioned it now and again. Um, I think she, she was not a member 
Um, so I don't even know how she found out about the community calls herself, um, but she told me about them. And so, of course, it, I ignored her at first. And then um, she forwarded me the the email with the, the schedule. And I was like, oh, wow, there's there's a lot of stuff here. This this could be interesting. Um, and and I was really I, I was missing teaching and um, I was going to read for perhaps the 2017th time Persuasion <laughs> by Jane Austen, which is one of my top favorite novels. Um, and uh, I mean, seriously, I, I once I read it and, and I recommend it to everyone. Jennifer Mendenhall reads it on Bard and she's perfection. And there was one time when I was I was listening to it and you got to the end, heaved a great sigh of appreciation and just went back and started over and <laughs> started reading it again. That's how much I love this book. Um, and so I was going to to read it in October of 2020. And I thought um, it would be nice to, to have somebody to to talk to about this book. So I'm going to take the plunge and, you know, email this this community at ACB thing and try to start a book group and see if anybody wants to talk about 18th century literature with me. And um, they did. And we've been going strong for two and a half years. We meet every week. Um, we've only missed during convention and one time when I was in Dublin and got the time chained wrong. <laughs> um, America and Europe do their uh, moving the clocks back and forward in different weeks. So, um, yep, that's but, right. They change at different times of the, uh, they're off by about a week or two. I used to yeah. do a lot of work uh, with, with Germany and you have to be careful. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I found that out the hard way or I, mean, yep. I knew I just, I forgot. Um, and uh and then um, in, so that was October, 2020, that I started the 18th century group. And then in February of 21, I started the um, disability studies reading group. And, and, you know, I started both of the groups kind of for selfish reasons, because I wanted to talk about these things. Um, and, you know, both of them have very special places in my heart. And, you know, I started the disability studies group because I had finally gathered the courage to start reading about disability. I resisted that um, for years um, and years because I didn't want, and it's funny how we've, uh, so many of us have talked about sort of our own preconceived notions of, you know, the disability world. Um, and so mine was, um, was the books and I didn't want, I didn't know the, the term then, but I know it now, inspiration porn. And that's what I feared. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to read about disability, it's going to be people just sort of saying um, how, how it doesn't really matter. And you can overcome any obstacles if you have enough heart. And, um, and you know, it's just, ugh, it just makes my teeth hurt. Um, and, you know, because... Uh, I mean, we, we can overcome all sorts of things, but it takes a lot of effort and it takes laws and policies and architecture and accessible websites. You know, it's not just you being determined, you know? Yes, um, so, really, so really determined. We'll talk about accessible currency in a few days. Yes. That's been a 50 year struggle so far. Exactly, yes. you know, <laughs> we can stare at a $5 bill with, with all of the, you know, hope and determination in our hearts, but it doesn't magically make it accessible. Um, yeah, so, uh, so I, I started out with uh, reading about disability as a social construct and 
that just kind of blew my mind. Um, and uh, so I thought I, I, I have got to talk to somebody about this. I can't just sit in my room and talk to my, just talk to my bard player, you know? Um, so I thought ACB community would be a great place to see if anybody else wants to read these, these books and talk about these things. And, um, so that's been going strong now for, for two years. And, um, so yes. And, and my mother, you know, became a member of ACB through the community calls. And, um, I have to say, mm-hmm. so did I, but I, I fear that my membership has lapsed. So we need to take care of that. <laughs> Sorry. We're, we're going to check on that tomorrow. <laughs> it's a condition of employment. <laughs> it's membership season is a March 15th is our deadline here. You oh, got to get going. Okay. Yeah. The Ides of March. Beware mm-hmm. the Ides of March. Um, yeah. the English professor, Shakespeare reference, Julius Caesar. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's how I came to ACB. And then, um, I actually, and I think, you know, one thing that a lot of people have mentioned too, is this sort of, um, <laughs> the fluidity of geography. Um, so I, um, I, I'm a Navy brat, so I don't have a hometown. I don't have a from, um, me and my parents are in Fredericksburg, Virginia now, but when they moved here, I was living in London doing my uh, my first master's degree. So I'm, I'm here, but it's not home. Mm. And, um, and then, you know, when I was doing my second master's last year in Dublin, I took ACB with me. Um, you know, my, except for that one time change thing, (laughs) my (laughs) reading groups did not miss a beat. You know, they were there with me and they would ask me, Mm. you know, how is Dublin? And I got involved with the national council for the blind of Ireland while I was there. And, you know, so I just had this sort of international support group, um, you know, virtual and and it was virtual in Ireland as well. The NCBI, um, we did a lot of, of advocacy meetings online. So, um, you know, so so that ability to to take community with you wherever you go, um, I think is is just a really lovely aspect. And then, of course, when I saw the ADP coordinator job advertised, I was like, oh. ACB. <laughs> I know them. <laughs> so, so I uh, decided to apply and see what happens. <laughs> well, fantastic. Well, welcome. I'm interested to get your thoughts because you kind of have that outside perspective, yeah. perspective, but now that you've gotten really involved in the last couple of years. So yep. thank you for being here. Yep. Next, Kyle Johnson. Kyle Johnson is the CEO of Lighthouse Central Florida. Lighthouse Central Florida is a national industries of the blind for the blind agency, and also originally uh, and still the very strong rehabilitation uh, community rehabilitation center for the Central Florida area. In full disclosure, um, I am on the uh, Lighthouse Central Florida board, but Kyle, talk about who moved my cheese. Here you were, um, you know, standing up, uh, you know, Lee Nasahi, who was the previous CEO, took the job being the new CEO of Vision Serve Alliance, and you were uh, promoted due to great succession planning on the board's part. I've taken full credit for that, Kyle. No, just kidding. But, uh, but, uh, you know, here you are, you're getting your getting going. And here comes a pandemic. Uh, the world is is changed uh, for the foreseeable future. And tell a little story about where your agency has gone here in the last three, four, five years. And 
And the growth that you've experienced, I'd say one of the main reasons is probably because of the pandemic. Hey, hey, Dan, can everyone hear me? We can, Kyle. Thank you. Okay, yeah. cool. It is, uh, it's so nice to be with you all tonight. And Dan, thank you for inviting me. Um, I got, uh, you know, I have to just say right off the bat, hearing all the panelists and their, um, their, the way that ACB has impacted them, um, the way that they're contributing to ACB, uh, I'm just humbled. Um, as a typically sighted person, I had never heard of ACB when I met Lighthouse in, I think, 2012. And then, of course, I didn't hear ACB in a vacuum. I heard ACB, NIB, NF, <laughs> NFB, COCB, FCB, you know, and I was like reeling going, okay, because if, you know, when I met Lighthouse, if you would have asked me anything about what uh, our friends and who are blind in the community uh, go through, what they're capable of, I would have given you an existentially stupid answer, you know, because <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. And, and uh, anyways, I, I won't rehash my origin story, but what, what I will say is meeting Lighthouse changed my life in so many magnificent ways lighthouse and this community um and it, it likely saved my life um but yeah so i started as a volunteer in 2012 at lighthouse central florida and i started learning of you know hey uh what is blindness what is visual impairment what era what's this landscape like um i wish i would have tapped in to the resources of ACB back then, but uh, you know, I'm a little—I was a little slow on the uptake. Um, but it, you know, I started uh, a year later after volunteering. They, um, their head of fundraising was leaving on maternity leave. Didn't want to have director level responsibilities. Maybe she sensed in the ether that I was miserable professionally because the work I was doing, the outcomes I generated were not meaningful to me. And she thought I'd be a good replacement for her. And Lee, God bless her, despite me having very little knowledge, if none, about blindness, fundraising, or nonprofits, <laughs> gave me a shot. And, you know, the rest is history. But Oh, yeah, the pandemic really accelerated our growth. So at Lighthouse Central Florida in Orange Osceola in Seminole County in Central Florida, we are it for, you know, someone who's born visually impaired or blind or becomes so at any stage along lifespan. And, uh, you know, but we ended up seeing the writing on the wall. 60% uh, of our funding comes by way of contracts we fulfill with the state of Florida. Those reimbursement rates haven't changed in over a decade with all this inflation. And how do we make sure that these services are going to be available for people, you know, not only next week, but 40 years from now? And, and personally seeing the, uh, the, the projection that blindness will double between today and 2050 um 
you know, due to the size of the boomer population, it's like, what could we do? So before I was So Kyle, so what you're saying there is you could see that kind of what we've talked about with the Who Moved Our Cheese book, that the cheese was moving to count on the Division of Blind Services to provide all the funding you needed to get the work done. It it's it's not sustainable for the long term, right? Absolutely. You've got to get another income source to make to make it to make it viable. We did. So it's it's really a dual motivation. It's that, you know, how can we have self-determination financially so that we could continue helping, you know, the blind baby or the teen who's blind or the senior citizen. Uh, but then also that seven out of 10 Americans who are blind or visually impaired are out of the labor force. And a lot of them are people who want to work. They want to contribute. They want to be a part of that aspect of life. And, you know, they have high school degrees, college degrees, advanced degrees. Maybe they own and operated businesses of their own before they're blind. And then, you know, they breeze through a phone interview for a job and they show up with a white cane or a guide dog. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone assumes they're incapable. And so since 1976, we've been applying process technology and training to level the playing field in living and learning for people who are blind. And so let's focus on the earning piece. And we created Lighthouse Works. Um, and we, that's a subsidiary social enterprise company. But the pandemic really accelerated one of our business lines, and that's a commercial call center. And, you know, we thank goodness, it, it's definitely folks, not me. <laughs> that, yeah, it's definitely not. But we have so many smart people, both on the team, on the leadership team, and then on our board of directors. And together, we really have harnessed the, the shortage of labor in the, in the, in the uh, commercial market or state market. And then also, a lot of these folks who before would say, no, we don't allow work from home, the pandemic forced them to. And then they thought, oh, well, it can work. And with those two things, uh, from when I took over January 2019 to 2022, uh, we went from 83 employees to over 500, um, $6.7 million in revenue to, I think, close to $30 million. And from uh, January 2020 to December 31st, 22, we hired 240 individuals who are blind or visually impaired. And that's really cool. But what that doesn't tell you is that 25 of those individuals have earned at least one promotion into a leadership position. And so in a call center, you have a lot of agents and then you have leads and there's a ratio there. And then to supervisors. And I'm one of my favorite metrics is that 75% of the agents, be they sighted or blind, report to someone who's blind. And 75% of those leaders report to someone who's blind. And that is really what it's all about. And, and you know, I kind of blew past it, but the whole reason for this is to address that unemployment statistic of seven out of 10, but also, um, you know, it's really about helping unlock 
the potential of so many people that are on the sidelines and wanting to help. But I, I really want to make a note that in I, I'm so grateful that Dan has been on our board and I know how instrumental he's been with a, ACB. And one of the things that just blew me away is what ACB and the community of members, how this group responded to the pandemic and the incredible amount and diversity of programming that was launched in the face of ACB, leveraging the internet, leveraging things like Zoom, and just making sure that the community has uh, connectivity to friends and others in, in, in the ACB network that, you know, in other circumstances, they would might have been isolated. And I'm just blown away by that. And frankly, I'm very early in my uh, exploration of ACB, my engagement with ACB. And, you know, recently Dan and I talked and I think there is a tremendous amount of collaboration that can occur between an organizations like ours and ACB. And gosh, I'm so excited to be able to connect the hundreds and hundreds of people we interact with at Lighthouse Central Florida and Lighthouse Works with the resources and this obviously vibrant community of ACB. We'll definitely give you uh, Cindy Hollis's phone number and she'll get in touch with you, I, I, I promise. But Kyle, let me Please. ask you this, because as a CEO of a, of a rehab agency and an NIB agency, you know, we always hear this and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Okay. There seems to be, I don't know if fear is the right word, I'll use apprehension. You okay. know, you don't want to upset one consumer group versus another consumer group and it feels not not you personally but it feels right. like there's that that opportunity to say the best way to not get in trouble with either consumer group is just to not not promote one uh one one group's program over another group's right. program but to stay neutral you know switzerland, switzerland. yes <laughs> yet I think both organizations have a lot to offer. And so how do you, you know, as you work with your colleagues, uh, you know, throughout VisionServe Alliance and the, uh, you know, agencies, uh, you know, serving people that are blind and low vision, how do we get past that stigma that says, it's okay to talk about and promote both the American Council of Blind and the National Federation of the Blind. How, you know, you know, give yeah. people a choice. We're all about choice, you know, but, but yeah. give, them, give them an opportunity to have a, a place to go after they've gone through rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I have a layered response here. So. Oh, good. Okay. For the first, re my gut response is, um, who am I, who are we to assume what this individual who is blind or visually impaired, who's working with us in some way, whether they're a client or an employee or whatever, who are we to, to govern or make assumptions on their behalf about what will resonate most with them? Is it ACB or NFB or whatever? Um, you know, first and foremost, I think of that, the, the respect that people are owed 
um, on an individual basis. Um, another response is that the more the merrier, like the fact that there would be some sort of tension or, um, and I'm not suggesting this is what's going on, but if mm. there were this kind of like us and them thing, um, to me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If we are in the business of supporting, engaging, and empowering people of any age who are blind or visually impaired, why not both? Like, you know, and I understand at a very elementary level, I understand there are distinctions about the culture of ACB, for instance, and the culture of NFB. But perhaps not being uh, um, an individual who's blind myself and being sort of on the outside and objective, like there should be collaboration from all of us. Um, like the statistic I said earlier, and not everything is employment for crying out loud. Sure. Uh, there's so much more to life than that. But if you look at the, the, the history of the statistic of seven out of 10 Americans being out of the labor force, just that alone, um, it's, we need all of us rolling in the same direction, rowing, mm -hmm. excuse me, in the same direction. <laughs> well, we're rolling and, sometimes. <laughs> and, and, and I am just as an individual, as an individual leader, um, as a member of the community in the way that I am, um, I, I think that I'll, I'll say it this way. We've had some conversations um, and, and sometimes they're tough conversations at work where um, one of our core values and we have five, they're who we are. They're not who we aspire to be. They must be who we are. And one of them is inclusion. And in behind that to me is equity and if we are to have equity then we must have equity meaning that there's one standard of excellence and excellence is another core value that we have there has to be the same standard whether you're sighted blind deaf doesn't matter there's a standard now if an individual is blind will we invest more in that individual to, in, to help them hit the standard? Absolutely. There are fewer opportunities for our colleagues who are blind. And that's part of our mission is to invest in the lives and help overcome challenges and help ex, uh, achieve and uh, self-realization to a degree. That's a little romantic language, but that's part of our, uh, that's part of our mission, but there has to be equity. And then so if there has to be equity, then if there's GOCB, FCB, ACB, NFB, local chapters, whatever, our the people coming and seeking help from Lighthouse Central Florida, and mind you, oftentimes they are not excited to come, you know, and I loved earlier when you mentioned um, that you, I think you and Leslie were sort of jumping in and like, gosh, I don't want to be around all this depressing, whatever. And then there was a riot. There was a party, you know, there, there mm -hmm. were happy people. The most common sound in our building is laughter, period. Right. And mm -hmm. so people aren't necessarily excited to come 
to us. Um, and, and, you know, fear, I fear even, of the unknown, right? All of it, the, yes. the denial, the lack of acceptance, all that. But either way, if they do come, they deserve transparency hmm. and, and universal support and all the information. And so we educate people on all the consumer groups because there's a flavor for every taste and we are not qualified to figure out to know what margaret will vibe with you know what i mean she needs Mm -hmm. to pick for herself you know but i do think in our field of work and the acb i think there are so many opportunities for alignment and synergy that can lead to incredible results when it comes to empowering human beings informing people creating a community there's so much there and we're just scratching the surface you and i sir well thank you kyle and the statistic that always blows my mind is 95 percent of blind and low vision people do not belong to any consumer group they're not wow. part of the American Council of the Blind, the National Federation of the Blind, or the Blind Inventors. 95%, 19 out of every 20. Wow. So 19 out of every 20 people who come into Lighthouse Central Florida never join any consumer group. So they out. finish their rehab training, and then they go back home, and they lose, now in many what? cases, that connection. Now what? So that's, that's our opportunity. I yeah. keep thinking. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kyle. Uh, last thank but not it, w- w- more conversation to come here in a minute, but I want to give uh, our patient Bill Reader uh, an opportunity to say a few words. Bill came to us in a very unique situation. He was just enjoying his life as a dean at George Mason University and our uh, wonderful uh, grant writer and uh ADP coordinator before uh, Tabitha, JoLynn Bailey-Page worked with and for Bill in, at George Mason and recommended him for our advisory board. And so Bill joined the advisory board two years ago and came to a meeting and kind of got involved and started asking questions. And now two years later, Bill has retired from George Mason. He's uh, Kyle, you'd enjoy this with your background in, in resource development. Bill taught resource development, trained at the University of uh, Indiana, and he is now uh, helping us uh, for the next two years to be a consultant uh, as our resource development uh, director. So, wow. Bill, welcome. Thank you. Well, first, I'm going to start off by audio describing myself. If you're bald, I'm giving up. Everybody we've talked to today, don't no, just tell I am, me. I am a tall, six foot two, <laughs> white man, 78 years old, but uh, a little feature of my past. For 25 years, I was a professional opera singer. Uh-huh. And my stage directors all said, you're very lucky. The way your face is built, no one will ever know how old you actually are. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually 78 years old. So I usually am wearing a hoodie because as your bones get old, they get cold. So I don't have to wear my suit. But when I people say to me, well, what's that? What's that group like over there? That American Council of the Blind? I say, it's like landing in a tub of butter. You cannot imagine how truly marvelous 
the individuals uh, of this community really are. And uh, I must say it's, it, you know, when you hit your stages in life and you've each in turn described them, I'm at a new stage. It's called the beginning of old age. And I was trying to wonder, how's this stage actually going to work? Well, I found you guys. So <laughs> here's how it's going to work. And uh, I got to sign up for the exercise class. That's for darn sure. <laughs> I, I hope I can teach a thing or two along the way. But more than anything, uh, I just want to say that the the warmth and the affection that you share for one another uh, is something you very generously shared with me as well. Um, you know, I mentioned that I was an opera singer. I, I, I earned my living yelling at people. Uh, I had an injury in my 40s and it ended my singing career. And I got into management, which had been an early thing in my education. And I quickly realized that yelling at the top of my lungs didn't work in management. So I had to figure out technique. And uh, through the blessing of volunteers, really was given very special opportunities to train, mostly through corporate training programs. You know, various board members would say, hey, Bill, you got to take this training program. They'd let me sit in on it. And uh, along the way, I think I learned some key principles that hold up uh, are, and are actually timeless. Um, one of them is, and this is one I, my wife loves when I say it, all of us are smarter than one of us. And my wife will say, especially, Bill, if you're the one we're talking about. But, but I think it's true. I, I tell people this little anecdote that if I ask you what the, to guess the weight of a cow, you, you're not going to guess. But if you ask 100 people and average their guesses, you'll come within a few pounds of the actual weight of the animal. There's something quite powerful about the, the uh, capacity of a group, of a community. But it's even accelerated when it's given voluntarily. The, I think the greatest invention of America is the volunteer sector, the independent sector. Um, the issue of helping other people that we may not even know. And there are so many just indicators, proven indicators of the accelerating power of volunteerism. And when I came to, uh, to American Council, I said, well, the thing I love most about your title is the little teeny word of, because that word says it all, that this is an organization built on the energy and the brilliance and the generosity of its own membership. And that is, in my experience, uh, the gold mine. I call it the gold mine of what's possible. And then another insight, which one of my great teachers along the way shared with me, he said, you know, Bill, when you go into management, people are going to say, you got to empower people. But he said, that's the wrong way to think about it. What you got to realize is that every single person has power. And your job is to figure out how to create a system so they can use that power successfully. And that, I think, has turned out to be um, probably the heart and soul of my own effectiveness, is realizing that each person that I meet has something special to contribute. The uh, same teacher also told me why people join organizations. He said, well, 
they join an organization to contribute something that they value in their own eyes. I thought, huh, that's interesting. That other people recognize as being helpful in a setting that is relatively predictable. And when we tell people we're a member of this group, we get their admiring approval. And I think that's what speaks volumes about ACB is that when you tell people you're part of this organization, you, you've set yourself up for admiring approval, but you've also signed on to contribute something that you value in your own eyes and, and you can experience, I think, the, the, the feedback that each, each member receives because of that deep, deep generosity. I think I understand the, uh, well, I bumped into right away that besides just the sheer power of this group and its individuals, I bumped very quickly into this conundrum of the falling membership. And of course I, I came on board uh, at the tail end of the pandemic. So by the time I got there, uh, community had started to blossom. And I said, oh, I think I understand why. Um, years ago, I used to work for the Sally May Corporation. All of you who have student loans probably hate Sally May. You probably remember it. But when desktop computing came into uh, higher education back in the late 1990s, we commissioned a major study, a worldwide study, to see what the impact of computing would be on higher ed. We came back with three insights, which I think explain what's going on right now, uh, not just in, in, in ACB, but most organizations. Number one is that technology, information technology, shifted how people organize for education and learning, and it shifts away from who you are. And by that, I mean you're eight years old, so you're in the second grade, you're 13 years old, so you're in the seventh grade. Okay, that's who you are. And all eight-year-olds take the same curriculum and all 12-year-olds take the same curriculum. It shifts from that to what you're doing. In other words, now we're going to start to organize around subjects like climate control, food safety, loving new wine. Which one of you said they loved wine? <laughs> uh, uh, a book club, karaoke. Oh my gosh, what am I describing? Community. <laughs> what else am I describing? Uh, special interest affiliates. Mm -hmm. The whole world is organizing now around what we're doing. Common interest. What, what, Common what, interest. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. what's so powerful, especially about community, is that people bring what they want to bring to the table. Cindy and team built this platform and then said, anybody want to do anything? People just showed up everywhere because everybody wants to do something. Mm -hmm. And the thing that has then caused it to take root and accelerate so fast is because of the ACB community, the, the ACB values, the, the deep, deep purpose of its very existence. Um, Amazing passion. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so it's, there's no question that that's going to continue. In fact, it's going to scale. It's already starting to scale. Mm -hmm. Each one of the key programs that were highlighted throughout yesterday and today are scaling fast. 
this presents us with an interesting problem that Kyle was talking about is that our expenses are also scaling fast. (laughs) We've, we've got to install the next generation of resource acquisition. And part of it has to be, I think, earned as, as Kyle was describing. And a lot of it can be contributed. This is what, what I've been brought on board to help develop. Um, I do think that the the core membership is still not only valid, but necessary. And I just so totally agree with, uh, I'm going to get the name wrong. Here. Carla? Carla. <laughs> I knew you were thinking of Carla. <laughs> Carla, you're going to come to my fundraising group because you put your finger on it. People do not, there's a great book written, oh gosh, 30 years ago called uh, Influence by a, a professor at Arizona State, Caldini. And he, he did this uh, study of what causes people to behave the way they behave. And one of the biggest insights was people only take action when they're, they're individually, personally asked to do so. If you say to a group of people, help, help, I'm, I'm in trouble, nobody will help you. Or you've heard people at a concert, they all get up and say, hey, the tickets only pay for so much. We need everybody to help us. But if they say, Dan, that guy with the red shirt who's slightly bald with the receding hairline, Dan, if you could give us your membership, if you would remember to sign up again this year, boy, you could make a difference for this organization. And of course, everybody here who is feeling guilty because they haven't signed up this year is all said, well, we're going to go right out and do it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was specific. And so Carl is right. Uh, the, the number one of the, it's not a number one. One of the things is we got to go back to retail. We have to reach out to people and call them up and, or email them up or whatever and ask. But I think it's even bigger than that because, uh, and, and I've been championing recently the idea of a national strategic planning effort. Um, I, I think this, who moved, we need a new cheese factory. I think, <laughs> I think too much cheese has moved too quickly. The <laughs> one thing we saw at Sally May was that we knew in the late 90s that technology hasn't advanced far enough for this shift to occur. Uh, at about eight years ago, it, it came to the world. It was called uh, it's called big data. Now it's it's quickly evolved to artificial intelligence, AI. So it's now here. The the invention has happened. But then we said it will still take people fifty to a hundred years to adapt. Well, we all adapted in three days. In three days, and so what happened was. The pandemic moved us ahead of ourselves by 50 years. And that's why we're having so much heartburn around what's happening with membership. It it moved us faster than we were prepared for in our governance structure and actually in our mechanical system for the values exchange between us and our stakeholders. We just need to go back to the drawing board and continue this very conversation of the last two days over about an 18-month period. And, and here, we'll here. It'll, it'll come out. It'll come out. There's no, there's no group of people on this planet more qualified to do this work than the people of the American Council of the Blind. And the last thing I'll say is uh, to this 
last note that uh, that Dan and uh, uh, Carl were saying about working together. Uh, that's that's essential. We have to ask and answer one key question. This is how George Mason grew so fast. We grew from our being founded as a almost a commuter community college to a major research one university in a very short period of time because we asked this continuous question. What could we do together that we can't do alone? And there's always an answer to that question. And, and I think we just, you know, bravely ask our sister organizations across the field, but way beyond that, ask the parks, to, we're already asking through audio description, what can we do together that we can't do alone? And, and look what the answer is. It's endless, it's infinite. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, I met Tabitha before she even applied for this job. And I told everybody, if you don't hire that one, you're nuts. <laughs> well, so I'm they, really happy yeah. to meet everybody. Well, thank you, Bill. And I, I'm going to steal everybody for another half hour if I can, because I we're just, I want a good little conversation between us. And so I'm not going to call on people. I want you guys to just speak up. We've been talking a lot. So, you know, be be the person what can we do what change can we make where do you see an opportunity maybe if we don't even call it membership how do we get that next group of people to get connected with the american council of the blind to get to know us what's what's somebody's idea on how we how we get that the synergy that we all feel how do we figure out how to share that with 10 blind people that don't know anything about us yet. Does anybody have any thoughts? Don't be shy. As Lee says, if I can't mm. find the brave, I'll find the... <laughs> Dan, this is Carla. Yes, Carla, go ahead. I have a, I have a comment. Mm -hmm. um, and it is not a solution to the problem, but I think... that it is a very important piece of the problem to whether we're talking about ACB individually or as a group, whether it's a state affiliate, it's a special interest affiliate. If we're at convention, it doesn't matter what the scene is. Uh, I, if, if someone, if I call someone up and I ask them to become a member of whatever group I'm asking for. Uh, or let's put it, let's go another way. Let's say someone calls me and says, I would like to join group XYZ. And let's say it's one that's having trouble with getting members. If my response is, oh, I'm so glad you want to join because we're having trouble getting people involved. Uh, <laughs> We, you know, we all of our group is getting older and nobody has the energy to do anything anymore. And we sure need somebody to help out, you know, and you go on and on about this. I'm so glad you want to help out. Uh, nobody just wants to do anything. And you keep saying that. Do you think they're going to want to belong? <laughs> the answer is no. And they're going to say, well, uh, I, you know. I'll, I'll call you back in a couple of days and you're not going to hear from them. 
And I, I think that a change in how we see ourselves, um, if instead that person calls up and wants to join or is interested, just wants information. Mm-hmm. It's fine to just give information. You're not going to get dues every time somebody calls. Right. Um, but if you say, oh, I'm so glad you called. We have some activities going on that I think you could really take part in and be part of and just enjoy um, helping this. Dan, it's kind of like your your riot that was going on in your meeting, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and you may not have the number that you had before, but if instead of having your 100 at your event, uh, you've got 55, you don't say, oh, we just didn't have very many people come. Instead, if you are excited that you had those people show up and mm-hmm. that, and then you say, oh, can you bring a friend? I mean, it, a lot of it is the way you see yourself. If you see yourself as the failure, as going backwards, you are not going to improve. On the other hand, you also have to be really excited with each member that you get. Mm-hmm. You may want 10, but if you only get one, be glad you got one. You know, you could have not gotten any and you could have lost two. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with attitude. And I, you know, and Carla, I'm seeing that with our ACB committees, right? Where we used to struggle to get five people to be on a committee and then hardly oh, yeah. anybody would come. And then we go, oh, do we really keep the committee? I know, you know, uh, you know, I, I had heard yeah. from previous, you know, the trouble ACB, there's too many committees that, you know, I've found the exact opposite, right? You take like the, um, you know, audio description project. We got started and we started having goals and we started accomplishing things and we started, you know, having having success and, and, and growing and all of a sudden more and more and more and more people want to be involved in the audio description project committee because all this good stuff's happening. You know, we've got relationships with the National Park Service and we've got all these audio described movies that are out. We've got all these relationships with these streaming services and we're dealing with you know, the federal agencies and they're now putting audio description in, in their, their materials on and on and on. And all of a sudden people want to be involved in that because Good things are happening, right? But, but if that committee, if that committee um, has meetings and only one or two people show up, and then they say, "Well, we really don't need to meet because nobody mm-hmm. ever comes." Mm-hmm. Is it ever going to meet? No, it no. isn't. No. And I guess one Pam, of the this things- is Pam. Yeah, go ahead, Pam. Yeah. Go okay, Carla, were you finished? I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I was just going to say that, that and, and then I'll be quiet, but I was just going to say that if, if you, whether it's a, scheduling a meeting, scheduling an event, doing whatever, if you look for reasons not to meet, guaranteed, you're going to meet less and less. Um, well, we can't meet because it's too close to the holidays. <laughs> well, we can't meet because uh, it's cold outside and people may not want to come out. I mean, you can come up with excuses to do nothing all day long. 
So okay, so Carla, I'm ready because I forget what I'm getting ready to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let the age of stage. I'm going old school. Yeah. Number one, what's in it for me? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay, and I can tell you one of the political parties that's always sending me emails knows how to go straight to my heart to get the money. You know, <laughs> you're worried about increased taxes. Then I realized I gave them money. You know, so there's, there's got to be this kind of what's in it for me. The mm-hmm. second thing is a song I hear sometimes, and it says, I'm coming out. I want the world to know. I still <laughs> find that we are a bit on the invisible side. Mm-hmm. When someone says to me, oh, yeah, I remember Braille I, years ago. And I've been shocked to know that there are people out there, a bunch of them, who don't even know how we access a computer. Mm-hmm. And so I think somewhere, somewhere, we've got to get out there. We've got to take it to where the show really is so people can see. People don't know enough about how we work, the few of us who do, and what we can do. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to have to, uh, excuse my language, but it's the only language I know for this one, we're going to have to come out of the closet. <laughs> okay? Yes. I mean, that, well, that's just the way. Well, that, 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 that pert Gabe's interest over here. I heard it. Yeah. Speak up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gabe. But thank you no, for letting me share. Absolutely, Pam. I, I love I love because what Pam just said about coming out of the closet is basically just presenting yourself to the world who you are and uh, being authentic. But what I wanted to say was, um, first of all, I think we have um, we have to remember uh, that, yes, we are a blind centric organization, but we have to remember that more than that we are a human group where mm. we 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 function in terms of human interests and i'm going to give you an example um i when i find for example let's say a bottle of wine that i love or a brand of chocolates that i love you bet that that's going to be the gift that I'm going to give for Christmas to everyone <laughs> because I want to share what I enjoy. I want to share yeah. what I love. I want to uh-huh. share what has made a difference for me. So you don't have to be blind. You don't have to be visually impaired. If I enjoy ACB because it brings so much to me and to my life, I want to share it with the world and I want to share it. If I like someone, if I love someone, I want to give them the gift of something that has made me happy. Maybe it's not going to be their thing, but maybe it will. So, you know, you you won't know until you try. The other thing is meeting people where they are. We need to remember that we are a membership-driven grassroots organization. So we need to, instead of telling people what to do or where to go, ask them, where do you want to go? Where do you want to see ACB? What do you want from ACB for yourself? And if so, you know, help them, give them the tools to be able to lead a project, to be able to lead something that they want to see ACB do so that they were, that way they can feel encouraged. And then finally, what I wanted to say as well is that it's a two-way street. Uh, it's a value proposition that we're offering here. Uh, we need to make sure that we have value to add to people's life. But at the same time, we also need to communicate that we have 
all these options to add value to your life and bring people in and make them feel passionate and excited and and not make them feel like, oh, let me help this blind organization. No, let me go to this organization because it makes me so happy to be around these dynamic individuals who have no stopping to what they do. <laughs> Thank you, Gabe. Yes. Dan, so, yes. This is Desi. And, hey, um, Desi. Hey, I wanted to... Um, pick up on the point of um, connecting with one another. Um, I know for me and for so many others, the ACB community has caused us to make connections, in many cases, ones that we maybe never thought we would make. Um, we've met people that we might not ever have met. met. And um, just as a little example of of how that outreach works i will be moving um, from arizona to tennessee in the end of april and i am going to be um, renting the efficiency apartment over my cousin's garage and my cousin is a wonderful warm delightful sighted person um, and because of community um, we got a chance when I was there visiting in November to meet with Jeannie Johnson of the It's Electric mm -hmm. Call mm -hmm. um, and her husband and another friend. And when we came away from that meeting, my cousin said to me, I sure hope that you'll want to get involved in Tennessee Council because, you know, I would really like to go to those meetings with you. Mm -hmm. Well, now, that was just a small example, but the thing is, the more people that we reach out to, the more people, I mean, I have told so many people about my relationship with community, somebody will call and invite me to do something and I'll say, well, if I'm going to do it, I, I need to wait until after, you know, this time because I'm hosting an ACV community event and, um, and people are just so impressed and amazed that we have built this community the way we have, and they love it. And they say, boy, I wish I could, you know, have this community. And I tell them, you can, you know, <laughs> even, even if you are a sighted person, never even heard of the American Council of the Blind before, you can listen on your A-Lady device. At, and if you like what you're hearing, you can become a member too. So I think that community and connection is just a huge, huge part of what we need to keep doing. And, um, and like I said earlier, I'm all in. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Sure, Desi. And Cecily, I'll never forget this. When, when you were, uh, you know, through the J.P. Morgan Chase Fellows and, you know, Kenneth and them were always encouraging you to be part of committees. And we talked yeah. and you said, Dan, I'll, I want to be on a committee, but only if I get to do some work and actually be involved and make a difference. I don't want to be on a committee and everybody kind of ignores me and doesn't pay any attention to me. And so it took a little while for us to find a place where you you get to add value and help, right? I mean, it's funny how how the walls can go up, but how do we how do we keep those from going up? Oh well, 
I don't feel that in the committees I'm in now. Certainly, no, don't. you're you're getting plenty of opportunity to participate, right? <laughs> and, 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 and do you so like that? that? Do you like that? It? Just bring, that brings yeah. up something, though. I do like that. I like having you know affiliates assigned to me that I'm supposed to call to check on auction items, and I like having you know writing assignments to do as part of the ACB media support committee. I like having these tasks, and I think everyone is built that way. I had a couple come to me uh, through the ACB community, actually. They're, they've moved into Georgia and uh, we might have uh, lost you there, Cecily. Yeah, I'm here. I'm oh, here. you're here? Okay. Yes. They, they moved to Georgia from the Oklahoma Council mm -hmm. and uh, they wanted to get involved right away. And she said, well, in my chapter, I back home would plan the events and so as soon as possible I want to get her started on uh, a committee planning the activities that we do at our chapter meetings mm -hmm. um, there's some of the ones that are attending via zoom so I think the sooner we can give people a, a role and a job and something everyone has a strength somewhere if it's nothing but the greeting committee if it's writing cards or or brailing, there's something for everyone to do. And it may seem small, but it's probably not small to that person. I know when I first joined the auction committee, that was my first national committee I joined and Leslie was right there to welcome me. And at the beginning of all her meetings, she says, all right, something personal and professional for you to share. And, and we all share just for a moment. It doesn't take very long, but it makes me feel valued. And I think mm. there's something to be learned for that for our own membership organizations on a smaller scale. Fantastic. Hey, All right. Dan. Yes, go ahead. Um, this is Kyle. If hey, yeah, Kyle. Yes, please. You know, there are so many organizations in the, um, I guess, the blind biz, let's call it, you know, Lighthouse Central Florida and New View Oklahoma and across the country. And I, I really do believe that there's so much value in what, because I, I heard a previous speaker talk about the value proposition and that's it, right? Like mm -hmm. when value is a question, price is a problem, right? And although there's no price here, the price is time. Sure. And it really seems to me that just getting the exposure to your culture at ACB will pull in people who are, um, the, uh, pre you know, they, they have a disposition towards the ACB brand, you know, and the culture mm -hmm. of ACB. And so, you know, at a bare minimum, organizations like Lighthouse Central Florida and Orlando, we should have a component of whether it's during onboarding, training, or maybe on the tail end, but uh, ideally not at the end, but mm -hmm. to to expose folks to um, the benefits and the value of ACB and others, you know, and I think that's low hanging fruit that yeah. that would at least help us give a process to uh, exposing people to ACB. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I, hopefully, I'm not sharing any secrets, but in our board meeting uh, for Lighthouse last week, Kyle, that you were kind of sharing that 
you all had gone out and done a survey of your of your clients to understand, you know, what 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 are those barriers that are keeping people from, you know, making it successfully through their rehabilitation and then ultimately if that's their goal in VR or whatever to find employment or get through their education or what whatever it may maybe even just improving their independent living skills. And you shared that what you found over and over again in the survey was the mental health component of rehabilitation and that it's not just that people are losing dealing with not seeing they're dealing with loss and 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 how how do you you know how do you cope and manage through that And, and i continue to believe that where acb has this kind of organic hidden uh, value is in peer support and just community. being able to be those community honest people that can say, been there, done that, got the scars on my forehead to prove it with all the door jams you and low hanging <laughs> branches I've run into and, you know, whatever it might be. And so when, you know, I, I know we met some like, you know, some new, new folks from Lighthouse. They came to our uh, spirit night. And first of all, again, they couldn't believe there were 45 people at Tijuana Flats just having an absolute ball. (laughs) And then, you know, people formed a train to go to the bathroom. They, you know, helped them walk up to order their food. And all of a sudden they forgot that they're, they're not worried about, you know, mobility and blindness and all that. They're just having a good time. And, And they're, they're realizing, hey, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so everybody kind of has to go through that journey, yeah. and and we we can play a very valuable role in that. I think I, I I do believe that, and you know, for somebody who's either coming to terms with it or adjusting or whatever, you know, there is just and and it's hard to measure, but there is a powerful um, elixir in being around people who have gone through it too. And, and, and the credibility of saying, well, gee whiz, I can't do that because I'm blind now. And somebody going, are you kidding me? Uh, I go to Target, I go to Publix, I go to Orlando City soccer games and we pregame at the Hangry Bison or whatever, you know, and, and helping. That's why I love when folks are working with some of our instructors who are visually impaired or blind because you know they can't say well gosh i can't you don't understand like no i understand you know mm-hmm. i think there's so much there and so you know for the sake of this meeting mm-hmm. i'll say dan you know count us in at okay. least in in finding a way to to create a protocol to help yeah. people understand the network of support that's out there and thank you and thank Thank you to ACB for the the countless ways you all support uh, communities. I I'm, I respect it so much. Thanks. Well, thanks, Cal. Well, well, let's let we we've got just a minute here before we wrap up. So, any closing thoughts from any of our members uh, tonight, our our participants? Oh, this give, is me, give me a few. Hi, Tabitha. Uh, yes. Yeah. Please. Well, I, just, um, I guess um, no big surprise, but um, I want to, uh, you know, pump for ADP. 
Um, I think it's the audio description project is it's a great way to um, to bring people to ACB um, because they might not know about ACB, but they might have encountered audio description, especially if you think about all the subcommittees that we have with Beatty, the benefits of audio description in education and the section 508, the government angle, and then performing arts and museums and parks. So people might stumble across audio description in some aspect of their lives and then come to ACB that way. So um, I think there are, you know, like I said um, earlier this afternoon, you know, the ADP is so big and so is ACB, you know, there's with all of the special interest groups and the membership in the community. So it's just kind of finding a way to harness all of those things and, and have it all work together. Um, you know, we've been expanding, um, adding some new members to our Beatty committee and, um, you know, and a lot of it has been kind of that, you know, individual approach that Carla was talking about um, with, you know, somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And, um, you know, so we, uh, I can't remember, blanking on her name. I'm so sorry. It's Emily and I can't remember her last name, but she is, I believe, the president or the superintendent of uh, the school for, for the blind in Texas. Yes, so she's yes, part of yeah. the committee now. And then mm -hmm. she said, Hey, we do our school does a podcast. Do we, do you want to come on to be my guest on the podcast and talk about baby? And I was like, well, of course we do. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we, we get a little bit more exposure that way. So just always, um, you know, finding and, and taking advantage of those opportunities. It truly, I mean, the audio description web pages are our most popular web pages. You know, people love to go to the ADP website uh, to see the latest releases of audio described titles. We're the mm -hmm. definitive source in the world now, over 9,000 titles we have cataloged of audio description. The most exciting thing we've now now have a listing of 2,400 that are in foreign languages. The primary language, uh, uh, not English, is Spanish. And so, again, all of these synergies. Uh, mm -hmm. Gabe, you've talked about there's a whole community out there of Spanish speakers that we could pull into our organization if we continue down the path of offering Spanish language. Absolutely, yes. You have to do not not much more than than visit the lighthouses of uh you know cities of high hispanic concentration mm -hmm. and uh, you'll see that one of the services they offer is uh english as a second language so that uh -huh. has been one of my focuses you know kind of going there to those areas to to let them know about um acb and that we are now offering content in spanish now I just want to touch, since you gave me the floor, Dan, I want to touch sure, something yeah. very briefly on, on something you mentioned of mental health. Uh, I think it is very important also to keep in mind that we have a solid organization. We have a very, very uh, 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 complex, but at the same time, solid infrastructure of what we've done in terms of an organization across more than six decades. Um, so we need to relax a little bit. Um, and when we unfold a new member, we need to meet them where they are because uh, sometimes we focus so much on trying to get them out of their grief. We need to let them go through their process, their mm -hmm. individual process. If they have, you know, uh, if they have to go through a process of grieving their loss, uh, the loss of their eyesight, 
you know, just be there and offer them the resources, the, the community, the connection that they need to go through that process. And once they're ready to move to the next level, then we'll still be there. Because like I said, we have a solid organization with, with a complex infrastructure that we have a little bit of everything for everyone. So, you know, just relax and be patient and people will get there organically. Mm-hmm. Don't push them too early before they're ready is what you're saying. You can scare Correct. people yeah. off. if You, you can scare people it. off because yeah. it's like, oh, especially when people are transitioning, when people are still, you know, losing their eyesight, they're, they're like, oh, I don't want to be associated with an organization called the American Council of the Blind. I'm not blind, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's a matter of, of focusing that we are a human group more than a blindness organization and that we're here for what you need when you need it. Very, very good words. Thank you. Others with any closing thoughts? All right. I'm hearing none. So I just want to thank the panel. Thank you for uh, being here on a Sunday night. Uh, and thank you for your passion uh, for our blind and low vision community. Uh, together, we're going to make a difference uh, in the lives of our community. And I believe it in my in my bones. Uh, Thank you for being here tonight. And thank you for uh, the opportunities that you shared for all of us and the, and the things that you've kind of put out there to give us some, uh, you know, some, some chance to think and and ponder. And I'll just say, now we need to kind of move into action. So affiliates, chapters, state affiliates, special interest affiliates, Kyle, Rehab centers, you're connected all over the nation now. We got to leverage you, sir. Bill, Do it, please. we got we to gotta get your help too. And together, we're going to make this happen. So thank you all. Thanks for your time. Have a wonderful evening. And don't forget, tomorrow on Monday at 1230, we'll start our legislative seminar uh, conference. Uh, two days from 1230 to uh, 6 uh, in the evening. Uh, connection shows will start then with... Uh, Clark Rockfall, our uh, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, and Swathananda Kumar, our Advocacy Specialist, all kinds of great panels and discussions. Don't be late. I think we've got a special guest that's going to be there right at one o'clock tomorrow. And, you know, let's keep going and keep moving. And as we say, let's keep advocating. Have a good night, everybody. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. And we're clear. There we go. Deb, have we cut the space? Yes, yes, we have. Thank you. Well, guys, that was very good. It was. It was very good. I was very impressed. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Everybody, did Dan leave already? I think so. Wow. Dan must be exhausted. Oh, we've got lots of audience still. I'm, I'm not exhausted. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm exhausted, too. It's been a long day. Yeah, we've got several people still. Yeah, everybody who's uh, who's still attending here, thank you so much for coming today and uh, making this a great, great day. Um, And uh, tomorrow we'll start up again at 1230 um, on Media 6 and Media 7 along here with Zoom. So, again, thanks, everybody. Good night. And we will see you tomorrow. Rick. Yeah. Thanks. I just yeah. I just want to make I just want to tell you one thing. Yeah. When you look back 
to how we uh, brought off the, the first one of these and the first convention. And you look at how this has come off today. You all have done an amazing job. Yeah, I mean, it's really been professional and we haven't had big gaps or, uh, you know, we haven't had, oh gosh, we have to see what's going on here. If there was a problem, it was a, is addressed. I mean, I think you have done an outstanding job. Well, thank you, Carla. Thank you. And we're doing it in two languages. And, <laughs> no. Yeah. In two languages. The outstanding and, job. And there was a <laughs> tremendous amount of work that was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, Deb has just, you know, been working her tail off and yep. and Larry yep. and uh, it's it's just been you know it's 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 funny because we were talking about how fun it's been too yeah yeah, um, yeah. it, it uh, I you know thank you Carla and uh, you know that means a lot coming from you and yeah <laughs> I, I I I you know we all feel very good about this so Greg you think for Schomburg we'll be ready to to incorporate French as well we <laughs> oui. as as we as we'd say in canadian french mar, uh, mange la merde <laughs> i know i know french Rick. I, know, I know where you're sending me to <laughs> gabriel gabriel yes this, this is carla Many, hey, many years ago, I was thinking, as you all were talking, have been talking today about, and yesterday, about the Spanish thing, and oh, we want to try this, and we want to, I mean, years ago, years and years, there have been, been many false starts on Spanish, uh, offering Spanish in ACB, and years ago, there was an affiliate, uh, I don't know if anybody on here remembers it, but it was called the International Friendly Circle, and mm. And the International Friendly Circle was mostly Spanish, but they had some other people, too. And that was back in the late 80s, early 90s, I think. Um, but this is, I mean, those were all attempts to make things work. But this really, I mean, uh, I've seen a lot of, of trials with these things. But this is what you've done today is, is just incredible. I mean, oh, it just made it all the way through two days. I mean, that's terrific. Yeah, we've only got two more to go. Oh. Yep. <laughs> yeah, two, two, two more to go. And what's amazing is, you know, these every time we do one of these things and we add new variables, right, we have problems yes. with it right to the last minute. Okay. And yep. that was the case again with this one, but we got everything in, in line and it all fell into place. And, uh, you know, we've had a couple, a couple of rough moments oh. behind, the, yeah. behind the scenes, but, uh, you know, it, 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 the, the, the teamwork and, and every, you know, it's just, it's fantastic. So. Absolutely. And, and it's uh, kind of like almost every event you do is that way though, right? You just, it, it's, it's risky. It's always hard the first time you do it. It, it just is, you're learning, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. The one, the one thing that Deb and I've been talking about is, yeah. you know, when we start, you know, wanting to add new things with zoom, let's just do it one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, this time we wanted to do registration. We wanted to, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. one is enough. Because one of the things we're finding out about Zoom is that it's forever changing, and a lot of the behaviors uh, that it's doing today are different than it did two months ago. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very and, much so. And it, and it just drives us, you know, we don't discover it until we discover it, you know. So yeah. one thing for sure is, and I've said this before, when we do national convention this next time, you know, Dan, I'm going to, I'm not going to be at the board meeting, man. We're going to be spending that entire day mm -hmm. um, doing a dress rehearsal. I mean, mm -hmm. the entire day, you know, mm -hmm. exercising everything. Yeah, okay. yeah, uh -huh. because uh, it's not you, you can definitely delegate that uh, responsibility to somebody else. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not until we put things through the paces that that, um, you know, we we were we will really know, uh, you know, whether or not it's working. Mm -hmm. So so anyways, it, it's uh, it's been great. And, and, you know, thanks, to everybody and everybody. Everybody's been so articulate and and. Uh, you know, Tabitha just blew me away. Yeah. Yep. Um, she's uh, she's an incredible lady. So she's a keeper. We got a lot of talent. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is the, the funny thing about membership. Uh, you know, Carla and I were talking about this when we talked last week is we may not have as many members, but right now we have got an amazing amount of engagement of the members we have. I mean, there are they're invested, I think, you know, yeah. which is really cool. To yeah. me, a hundred that, you know, basically don't do much of anything or 40 or 50 that do a lot. I know. But yeah, there are even more we don't even know about. Yeah. There, there are. Yes. I mean, yeah. how, many, how many more uh, Tabithas are there out there that we haven't even met yet? Yeah, th there was yeah. one session that I was very disappointed with, and and that was the one about the affiliate conventions. Mm -hmm. It 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 just you know it was like woe was me was the tone of that. Mm -hmm. it, 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 yeah. it it seemed to me you know it's like mm -hmm. you know it, it I mean that should have been so much more upbeat you know. But but but, but see, there's a lesson to learn. There's a lesson to learn from that 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 tell that shows you how how i what i heard there was there's a lot of apprehension you know right but it starts with the leadership right mm -hmm, yeah. so and 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 the and the apprehension starts at the top right and the guys at the top need to be cheerleading all the way down for these things to work yeah rick yeah. that was my point about if somebody calls you mm -hmm. and says they want to join your group and you say, uh -huh. yeah, you know, no, that um, was so an excellent point. Yeah, that was. That well, was thank you because we're we're so tired. I don't know how much. Well, we've got to have somebody. Going. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, uh -huh. you're, you're, you you that was very well that said. That was great. Said, yeah. Uh, thank yeah. you, Lucy. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so. guys, I'm well, tired. I'm, I'm going go to bed. Yeah, I yeah. am very tired. Yeah, <laughs> Dan, Dan yes. go have go have a double cheeseburger. Okay, double cheeseburger. <laughs> okay, with some cheese whiz on top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See you guys. Good night, Good night everyone. everyone. See you tomorrow. Thanks, thanks, everybody. Good night. Thank you.